Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Jeremiah 33, 3. This is Courage Cast, encouraging one another so that more will believe. Welcome to the Courage Cast. I'm Eric Nordoff, and today I'm honored to have Ken Aguado from Los Angeles on the podcast. Ken has worked as a studio executive, a CEO, producer, author, and now he's fresh from finishing his very first screenplay, uh, An Interview with God. And that's what we're mostly going to be talking about today is this film and also the novelization that was co-written with Robert Noland. So uh, a really, really uh, prestigious man, actually, and a humble man uh, with some great uh, background. He's worked in television, feature films, uh, also some new media, uh, and he's becoming more and more in high demand as a speaker and an educator all across the U.S. and around the world. And as a matter of fact, it was part of his trip when he went out to uh, Israel, coming back from Israel, where, and he shares the story where he he had the inspiration to to write this his very first screenplay. So uh, a fantastic individual. You're going to learn all about him and, and some of his background. But another thing that I found incredibly intriguing was he was the president back in the mid-90s of Miller Boyette production. And if you remember back in the mid nineties and Miller Boyette was behind a lot of, of very well-known projects, especially they were the Kings of the the Friday night sitcom, perfect strangers, full house, family matters, step-by-step. These were some of the programs that Miller Boyette was behind. So, um, a tremendous amount of experience and I'm, I'm just intrigued by it because knowing his influence in making these these television programs and these television productions uh, more family based and family friendly and and he had a, a an opportunity to have a hand in influencing what our kids what my generation of of viewers were watching so um, a tremendous tremendous man we have a great talk oh and one more thing I had some technical difficulties. So the first, I would say, 20 minutes of our conversation, I didn't realize that my microphone wasn't plugged in. Rookie, rookie mistake after doing a thousand of these episodes. So you just hear the computer microphone. So forgive me for this, but I can't take it back. It's too good. Just focus on what Ken says and don't pay too much of attention to me. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy this conversation with Ken Aguado. Well, Ken Aguado, welcome to the Courage Cast. Nice to be here. I'm imagining you driving along some crowded street in LA right now. Is that happening? Or no, not? I'm driving down the coast highway, Pacific coast highway, looking at the sunset or the sunrise, whichever you use <laughs> in my topless uh, Mercedes Benz and drinking Perrier. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Oh man. Well, I'm so glad you, you, we, uh, we made it work with the time difference uh, out there in LA. 
Um, it's an early, it's a morning time for you. And, uh, and I'm sure it's just another beautiful California day. Uh, you have any smog today? Uh, no, we, we had, there was a ballot initiative and we eradicated smog. Really? No, there's plenty, <laughs> there's plenty of smog. Here. <laughs> I was going to say, man, 20 years ago when I first came to LA, it was, I made the decision not to move to LA. I decided to move to Nashville instead. Man, my life would have been so different if I had stayed in LA, but it was mostly because of the smog. You know, it's gotten a lot better in fairness. I mean, back when I moved to LA, it was really, really terrible, really terrible. And there were days you couldn't go outside, uh, but they actually, you know, passed a lot of, you know, uh, clean air regulation and the air has gotten a lot better. We have really very, very few bad days out here in California, out in Southern California. So Ken, you've been a uh, studio executive, CEO, producer, author, screenwriter, I mean, this is 25 years of, of passion for you, isn't it? Tell me a little bit about where, where that passion started and has it changed over 25 years? Yeah, actually, I've been out in Los Angeles now for longer than 25 years. And just to make one correction, I, I'm, and maybe the reason for this, uh, for this interview is that I'm, I'm coming late to the business of screenwriting. Uh, but prior to that, I, you know, I moved to California a long, long time ago, decades ago, and I had, you know, I, I, in college, I went to Tulane University where I was a, where I was a psychology major, which, you know, ironically probably prepared me for working in showbiz. Mm. And I moved to LA and I, I just loved movies. And, uh, you know, there, I, I was lucky enough to go kind of grow up back in the day where I was inspired by cinema. I don't know if it's quite the same for young people these days because filmmaking has become so much more of kind of a product than it mm. used to be. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reasons for that over the last 20 years or so. But in any case, you know, I came to LA inspired and I, I got lucky enough to go to work for uh, a company that had just lost several, um, both its development executive and its assistant. Uh, and, the, and the head of the company was leaving town for a few months to make a movie. So I just kind of fell into a job and I managed to leverage that into um, into you know kind of an ongoing career and I was an executive I kind of rose to the ranks as an executive for almost uh, almost 20 years 17 18 years uh, rising from assistant to a development executive to a kind of a to a, a, a vice president to a president uh, of a couple of companies and then about 15 16 years ago I, I kind of that that kind of ran its course for me and I decided I kind of wanted a more uh, intimate experience with filmmaking and I crossed over into the world of independent producing and have been doing that until very, very recently. And then the short version is uh, at some point that kind of became not quite enough. And, and I decided to try my hand at screenwriting and interview with God was the very first script I ever wrote. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just going back to your days um, with Badham Cohen, um, the Universal Pictures and the Miller Boyette days, sure. I mean, I grew, up, I grew up watching these shows. Or, you know, I mean, this was like the, the early 90s, right? When, when those... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, like, when I worked for Tom Miller and Bob Boyette, they, that was edging towards the mid-90s. Uh, uh -huh. they, they had, I think, four TV series on the air. They kind of owned Friday night. Yeah, was it was it uh, Perfect Strangers? That was on. That had a yeah, huge. Yeah, and Buddies. They did. Uh, but at the time, it was uh, boy. I'm now you're testing my memory. Uh, yeah. Full House was on the air. Uh, uh, Perfect Strangers was coming to an end, uh, and several other series that they had. I got to say, just to know that you know I'm I'm getting a chance to talk to you, and you had such a um, an influence on these uh, these shows. Tell me a little bit about 
some of the, do you have any, I mean, I, I gotta believe there are stories, but is there, is there one or two stories that come to mind about some of your favorite memories uh, in being involved uh, in those um, Miller Boyette days maybe, or. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it's, it's such so long ago at this point. I mean, it was, it was really a, you know, Tom and, and Bob were great. They were, you know, amongst the top producers in Hollywood at the time. And it was really my first experience with television because I had really been a movie person mm -hmm. up to that point. So, I mean, I, I really, the things that I take away most from it was learning about family entertainment, right? That was a big, you know, it was a big piece of my education in terms of family because I don't think I really ever had done anything that I would consider quote, quote unquote family friendly entertainment. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it was anti-family. I'm just saying that, you know, it wasn't intentionally uh, uh, family material. So I, I learned a lot from both of them and they're both really great guys and really accomplished. I think they've kind of, they both kind of, kind of, after that, they both kind of, I think probably made enough money that they could retire and Bob Boyetta know went on to become a, you know, quite an accomplished uh, theater producer mm -hmm. as well. But I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's funny enough, uh, the thing I learned most about television is that, uh, and this is from both the guys, you say, look, these people in these series come into the people into your living room every day, right? They're members of your family and you have to treat them like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to wear it, you're welcome. They're, you're a guest in somebody's home and you want to make sure that you treat the viewer as if you were a guest in their house, right? And mm -hmm. that's kind of really the attitude that they brought to their, to their series. Yeah. So fast forward to um, what was the thing that made you say, you know what, I want to, what would it be like? What would I ask God? I mean, you're, you, you obviously um, have a, uh, a faith in God uh, you, you, or you wouldn't want to ask him any questions, right? Yeah, so I'm um, faith in me. yeah, just tell me a little bit about, you know, just the behind the scenes of what led up to the creative idea of an interview with God and what you would ask him? You know, the answer to that is probably going to be a little uh, of a mashup of things because I mean, do I, you know, we all get to where we are today through the confluence of, you know, everything that's come before. So there were a lot of things at play in terms of, um, in terms of how I got to this as my first script. And let me just kind of see if I can lay this out without uh, confusing everybody. So first of all, uh, you know, on the kind of an entertainment, uh, let me back up. Obviously, I'm attracted to the subject matter, right? That I think that goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I had also liked a lot of the kind of the more kind of commercial approaches to um, to this kind of subject matter, right? So I like to say that kind of in a certain way, the idea that I chose was not particularly original, right? If you look at a film like Bruce Almighty or Oh God, I know that probably sounds like a crass comparison, but those were those were movies that had clear very, very broad commercial appeal. Oh, now, yeah. Those are some of my, fa two of my favorite movies. Yeah, they're wonderful films. And they're not, you know, they're not overly theological other than the one, you know, the one gimme. Uh, right. But they clearly were broadly appealing. So I always, and I always liked those movies as well. So the other thing is, you know, I, 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 I was inspired because I, 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 I was, I had just come back from a trip to Israel. And I, I you know, it was my first trip to Israel and I had been invited to speak and to participate at the Haifa International Film Festival. And I, I was really kind of turned me on. And I was really came back really spiritually energized from that. And I thought, you know what, I, 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 I like a lot of 
faith films, right? I see them all pretty much. And, uh, you know, I don't really like a lot of them, honestly. And funny enough, as an aside, maybe some of your, your listeners can appreciate this. As I got into the world of the faith film business, uh, I found out that a lot of people who go see the movies don't like them that much either. Right? <laughs> they just do it because they have obligation. They know it's family friendly. They're trying to teach their kids some spiritual lessons. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And I appreciate the message, and I appreciate the, yeah. the message of the intent too. But but I think they kind of get that they're not particularly good movies. Now I'm I'm a kind of I'm a Hollywood guy, and I was trained on kind of Hollywood narrative and the and the values of Hollywood narrative. So I I kind of vowed that you know if and when I did my own version of that, it would be somehow it would be, you know, kind of have kind of more traditional filmic values, narrative values. Um, uh, I don't mean traditional in the family sense. I mean, traditional in terms of the Hollywood sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I came back from Israel and I was kind of inspired. And I also, you know, kind of, if you're, if you're living and working as a Hollywood producer, it might, it shouldn't be too hard to uh, believe that the business of entertainment has changed and the, the kinds of films that I grew up on don't really exist anymore. And they're not made by Hollywood. That being the venerable drama, Hollywood really doesn't make dramas anymore. Right. If you've been to the movies in the last, you know, 15 years, right. You know, there's been some independent filmmaking and of course, most television is drama and that's really where the majority of it is. So I wanted to do something that was inspired, right. By faith. I wanted to do, I, I wanted to do something that, was kind of conceptually similar to Oh God and Bruce Almighty. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I, you know, I can, I think I can do better. Right? I think I can make a better version of a movie that might kind of to um, might get at kind of, kind of some of the core ideas that I grapple with, you know, not, if not every day, every week. Yeah. I couldn't wait for the next question. I was just like hanging on the edge of my seat. Right. And so I chose, I mean, the reason I chose the interview was exactly for that reason, because it would be very, very hard to, to get, the quantity of theology that's in this movie into a normal movie, uh, a normal faith-based movie, because most most faith-based movies kind of operate on a, I mean, I would say on a fairly, not, not basic, that sounds insulting, but fairly, um, you know, one or two levels of, of right. belief. Well, they're highly evangelical. They're, they're, they, they have a, a cultural, a culturalness, an American cultural connotation as well. And I, I don't feel that in this film. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I you know, so I, I, I just wanted to do something different and not try to have it be the same thing. And, and by the way, it wasn't a completely crazy idea only because the faith uh, film marketplace is always <laughs> trying to kind of expand the brand a little bit. And the people who make these films out here recognize that there kind of been a lot of movies made and many of them have done quite well mm-hmm. at the box office, but a lot of them are a little bit kind of the same. Right. Um, right. You know, a, a child is, injured the child has a problem and you pray and that solves the problem right right that's a whole movie right so that's fine nothing wrong with that but you know i think that people in the in the media business out here realize that you know you want to expand the brand a little bit it can't just be the same movie over and over again so i that was kind of another um part of my agenda and i thought that the interview scenario would be one in which it would allow these topics to be discussed in a way that was kind of organic and not contrived. So, mm-hmm. uh, and that led me to sit down and I got back from the film festival and I banged out a script in about six weeks and, and uh, you know, the film got a, the script got a great reaction. And honestly, the film got made faster than any film I've ever worked on. So huh. whatever that means. Yeah. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Right. Right. Um, so from the time you wrote, finished writing the script, 
how long did it take to make the to have a finished film? Uh, well, finished film is a funny way. That's a harder thing to. Yeah, to, maybe that's a bad way. Of it. Kind of drag yeah. on and on, but right. the movie went into production fourteen months after I finished my first my my draft. That's so, how, so that's pretty fast. What what's like fast. an what's like a normal? What are you used to? Three to three, ten years. How much? Three to ten years, perhaps. Three to ten years. Yeah, films don't get made fast. They're, it takes a long time to get a movie made. And I've, what is I, I, two of the two of the films that I've produced took 18 years to get made what what are those um there's a film called crazy as hell which mm -hmm. was kind of a, a weird faith horror film uh -huh. uh, and then uh and then there was another film called um which i'm blanking on now uh called um oh uh, standing up which is a family film uh-huh wow 18 years that's crazy it's not unusual that's not a you know first of all most scripts never get made first of all you know one in a hundred Mm -hmm. at the at best get made so this came together really really quickly and uh you know people really liked it and really connected with it i yeah. got a lot of good feedback and it really you know people got charged up when they read the script i did too i, I really did too I, I find it amazing how many people are involved in making films even just from the on the executive producer level and the producer level and the director and half the time i don't know what all these people do nobody does uh, Nobody, but it takes, a, it does, it does takes a lot of people being in agreement. Yeah, this is a film we want to make. And probably that's why, what it is, isn't it? It's just people getting this, the people, the, the right people to support the film. Um, getting, putting those people in place takes a long time, doesn't it? You know, you're asking somebody to make a multi-million dollar or more investment, right? It's not yeah. easy to find that kind of money. I mean, you're, you know, art is inherently ephemeral right? It's not like you're being buying a piece of real estate, right? You're buying mm -hmm. a piece of intellectual property, mm -hmm. like real property, right? And so that's, an, you, know, it's a, there's, you know, it's a funny business, uh, the business of entertainment, right? You're, yeah. uh, it's very hard to kind of quantify um, the value and, and the possible uh, uh, value of, uh, well, it's hard to quantify the value of, of yeah. a work of art. Yeah, no kidding. And it takes a tremendous amount of salesmanship. Um, yeah, and you, you, people make a movie, and then it doesn't go into the marketplace for a year, or two, or three, right? And then mm -hmm. the 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 people who the, they you find out if if people show up, right? That's how you know if you were successful. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to so the so the movie was made. Um, the actors are great in the film. Um, yeah. the, one of the things that bothers me about most faith based films is the acting. Number one. So I, I think you, you've got some great actors. Yes, David Strathairn, Academy Award nominee, uh, Bretton Thwaites, uh, who's mostly done lighter fare, but you know he yeah. came in and read for us, and he's just great. He's just great. And funny enough, uh, I've, I've been watching the film. The film is on Netflix now, for, if your listeners don't know. Yes. Uh, I, I, I've been recently, I watched it again on Netflix a couple weeks ago, and really, you know, you kind of expect David Strathairn's famous actor and is highly regarded but brenton's kind of a newer commodity and he just really did a great job and i i every time i see the film now i see other things that he's doing with that yeah movie. young very uh <clears throat> very very likable uh yeah. actor yeah good good right. character okay so so uh i would imagine i mean if i was interviewing god and in my on my podcast I would have a really, really difficult time uh, just limiting my questions. How did you decide what to what to ask God in the in the screenplay in the script 
And well, without, did you, did you without, expand I don't, on that in the novelization? Did you add more things in the novelization? That uh, let's, okay, let me take those one at a time. So first of all, um, you know, probably this is the frustration of some, right? Because anybody who comes to a movie that's called an interview with God is probably hoping that the question gets asked, but they've been burning to ask. But the way I approach it, and this probably has to do with my kind of Hollywood filmmaking mentality, right? Kind of coming to bear on the subject matter, right? It, the, the questions that, that, that Paul, played by Brenton Thwaites, asks God are really, really directed by his own internal problem. And for those of you who haven't seen the movie, uh, it, it's a, um, it's, it is about a, um, it's about a young up and coming uh, Christian journalist who is, uh, ha has, is having uh, certain life crisis in his, in his life, who mm -hmm. gets the opportunity to interview a man who claims to be the almighty, right? And what unfolds thereafter, I don't want to give too much away because there are lots of twists and turns and things are revealed over the course of the story. But over the course of the story, you come to find out why he's troubled, the young man is troubled and what's going on in his life. And that, that occurs through his increasingly uh, contentious interview. And I can mm -hmm. use the wrong word, but, uh, but tr troubling interview yeah. with this, this individual who claims to be God as, as his own life and faith starts to come under the microscope. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, so really the way to limit it was really to, um, to look at it through the prism of this character and what this character is asking. So if you think about what he needs, what, what this character needs, yeah, he's interviewing God, but really ultimately all the questions ultimately circle back to the problems that he's experiencing in his own life. Yeah. And more and more, uh, as more and more that directs the, the topic of conversation, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the adaptation to novelization, uh, that Robert did. Uh, I worked with Robert to demo. Well, Robert adapted the the the. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, you, I assume you do. But if you don't, a novelization is basically an a short novel adaptation of a screenplay. So mm -hmm. on the one hand, um, it has to it has to be faithful to the source material. Frankly, that's right. actually contractual uh, with the with the uh, with the agreement. And the second part of it is that it also allows you to kind of dig a little bit deeper because unlike a motion picture, a novel allows you to get into the, do things like get into the mind of the character, have yeah. third person narration. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so we were, you know, Robert, through Robert's writing, we were able to kind of delve a little bit deeper into some of the, both of the characters and their inner lives and, and of course, some of the theology. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, that's really great. Uh, and you're talking about Robert Nolan, who my audience knows very well, because we just finished a three-part conversation, Robert and I did. Um, and so for three weeks, uh, they know Robert really well now. Um, Robert's the best. Love Robert. Loved working with him. It was just a, an amazing collaboration. Yeah, yeah. So um, so the, the questions, what, and that's really what I love is because me as the viewer, I care most about getting resolution for my guy now, the, the, the hero, uh, Paul, Paul Asher, the, the, the lead character, the, the, the journalist. So um, that's what I'm just like craving. Um, at first, I was just curious about what some of those answers would be. And, and yeah, I mean, you definitely land theologically uh, right where you should uh, from a Christian perspective. You know, I've been a Christian for 20, 25 years or so, and um, you definitely hit all of my buttons. But what I loved even more was the emotions I felt when watching 
the movie and, and kind of, I was kind of hanging on the edge, even though it was a drama and, and sometimes dramas can be sort of slow moving. I find those very interesting because I love to get into the head and put myself in the shoes of the, the, um, the actor and the actors. Uh, so, um, yeah, the film really unfolds for the people who haven't seen the movie, you know, you, yes, it's, it's a story about an interview and about, Oh, about 60 minutes, 65 minutes of a hundred minute movie. 108, I forget what yeah. 108 movie is 108, it, yeah. it actually just the interview, but really what pulls you through the journey is really the mystery of who Paul is and what his problem is. Right. So over the yeah. course of the story, there are two or three major plot twists where you learn really what's going on and yeah. it really unfolds. Those of you who haven't seen it, you'll, if you see it, you'll, you know, uh, it, you kind of you're going to see a kind of what I would call kind of a character mystery. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. So um, the film releases. You do a bunch of press junkets. How deep did you get involved and connect with some of the the Christian press? But also, uh, do you do you connect with uh, other Christian filmmakers in in LA? And do you help to kind of mentor them in some ways or? Um, I'm just curious about just what you're involved in in, in L.A. right now, and, and do, you, do you network with those? Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people who work in, believe it or not, it, uh, a lot of the people who are making faith-based films don't live in Los Angeles. A lot of it comes from other parts of the country. Uh, yeah. right? The Kendricks don't live in L.A. No, they, no they're from uh, Atlanta. Franklin lives in L.A., and he and I have met a couple of times. But, you know, I don't, I don't really, um, you know, I'm kind of, in a weird way, their competitor, right? In some ways. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Kendricks don't need me to make a movie. Devon Franklin doesn't need me to make a movie. They, they have their own businesses going on. So, I mean, mostly since, since the film was made and released and got great reviews and did quite well, uh, I've, it's kind of launched me on this weird third act of my career as a screenwriter. And since then I've been uh, alternating between writing uh, faith based scripts and non-faith-based scripts mm-hmm. as, as, demand, as, as requested. All right. Well, Ken, thank you so much for, uh, for taking time away from uh, being stuck in traffic in LA and the <laughs> smog and, uh, and, and, and just uh, sharing a little bit of your heart and a little bit of this journey uh, interview with God. I, I recommend it to everybody, it, both the book and the novelization and the, uh, the movie on Netflix. Uh, go watch it. Uh, it's it's gonna bring up some great conversation uh, between you and whoever you're watching it with, and uh, and uh, it's it's just very well written, very well acted, and uh, and it and it captured me. So, uh, Ken, it's an honor to speak with you, and um, I, I wish you nothing but the best. God bless you and everything you're doing, and uh, just great. To, you're one of the good ones. Thank and, you. Uh, so nice and I look, yeah, I'll be following what you're doing. Okay. We have this faith and film community here in Nashville. There's obviously a link to the entertainment industry here in Nashville. Christian entertainment industry is still very prevalent. And man, I think they're all going to be jealous that I'm talking to Ken Aguado today because uh, this guy has some incredible experience. What a what a great connection. I'm just thankful to Robert Nolan for introducing me to him. And most of all, an Interview with God is a really good film. I was not blowing smoke. It is a really good film. And so I'd encourage you to watch it. 
go grab it on Netflix. Um, it is a much better choice than most of the things you'll see on there and, and some good topics for discussion. Uh, anyone that deals with PTSD, um, anyone that has a history of that, you'll find that this movie resonates. And uh, there's some adult topics in the conversation for sure. I think if you're if your kids are 13 and above, they they definitely would um, would be able to engage with the film. So go watch it on Netflix. The novelization, as I've been looking through it, uh, is definitely something you should pick up as well. You can find that on Amazon. And uh, friends, this is going to be uh, a, a great film, and I'm grateful that uh, that Ken uh, took some time with us today. Now. Next week, we have another great conversation coming. We have an interview with Ken Edwards, a close friend of mine. We meet every single Monday, well, whenever we're both in town, uh, and we meet with a group of four other guys, and um, he's one of the more influential people in my life, and he's one of the more influential spiritual influences in Nashville. I think you're going to find what he has to say as a leadership coach, as a business executive coach. Uh, you're going to find him to be incredibly encouraging, uh, insightful, and real and raw at times. So Ken is one of the good guys as well. You're going to love it. And I look forward to having him on next week on the Courage Cast. But for now, remember, encouragement builds belief. And belief makes the impossible possible. I'm Eric Nordoff, and this is The Courage Cast. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Courage Cast. I want to invite you in to taking the next step in your journey towards living your most courageous life. You can do that very simply by visiting courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge. That's courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge.